on days like today and this time of year, guys, game plans change up. It's like anything. It's like with football. I was going to come on here right away and talk about sportsmanship, you know, the whole NCAA stuff that went down, but we'll get to that. But I want to jump right into the ca- jump right into the hot water, into the boiling water. Kyrie Thompson's my guest save, WEEI. What do you take away from this whole Mac Jones being shopped report that came out? I'm so done with this, man. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm just going to keep it completely real with you. I am done with this. Look, okay, maybe it happened. Um, i got to be completely honest with you. Like, I don't wholly care if it it did or not. Mac Jones is going to more, more than likely be the quarterback week one for the New England Patriots. Mike Florio, there, there are some times where he's on it and sometimes where he's not. I would not be surprised. And like, look, I wasn't really a report. You know, I was just kind of you know putting it out there because I heard it or, or whatever. And Mark Daniels of Mass Live went and talked to a couple of league sources because he's got a couple of people. He's pretty reliable. He said, yeah, none of them heard a thing. They were like, look, uh, that's news to me or I haven't heard that. And, you know, even, even sources with like the, the Bucks, yeah, they didn't reach out to the Bucks about nothing. So I'm just saying, like, I trust Mark Daniels. He said that he hasn't, you know, his sources haven't heard anything. But look, the bottom line of it is, even if it's true, and there are these reports of Bill Belichick being, you know, tense with Mac Jones and, and vice versa, it's Bill Belichick's fault. It all starts with him. And, and what, you're going to be mad that Mac Jones – Got met. It, it took him 12 games to flip out, but he eventually flips out and, and gets pissed off and yells about the offense. It took him more than half the season, which honestly, that's more patience than a lot of us would have had. And then you get mad because he's asking, you know, outside help and probably was asking Bill O'Brien for help. If we're going to be honest <laughs> here, he's probably asking Bill O'Brien for help. And you admitted the problem by bringing Bill O'Brien in and you're going to get mad. That, that he went for outside help, you screwed him over. That 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 see that that's the thing. Like, go ahead and be mad about it. Oh, that's not the way we do things. You know, we keep it in house. We solve our problems this year. Well, guess what? You introduced that variable by by having guys run your offense that have no business running it. So that's how I feel. The way and from what you said and what I've heard other Patriot people saying. Look, I'll say this too. I don't mind Mike Florio. I've never had a problem with him. I actually have his book on my bookshelf. I've been meaning to read it, Playmakers. I, I listen to him and Sims on their podcast quite often. But I feel like this is just a general, you know, hey, it's a slow news day. Let's stir the pot. Let's just, you know, cook with gasoline because why not? You're 100% right, though, in the sense of where this is Belichick's fault. And I feel like Belichick's trying to say, hey, it wasn't me. It was him. It was the quarterback. And, guys, let's remember this. It's April, 5th, it's April 4th right now. There, and also, too, for everyone out there saying the whole Anthony Richardson stuff or the Lamar, even the Lamar Jackson rumors, that was something I got on because I want to say something about that for a second. I was just like, the Patriots, I feel like, would screw themselves further. And it's also, too, it's a very unpatriot move to go out and trade picks to mortgage your future to go get a franchise quarterback. Meanwhile, you can have a guy who's still in a rookie contract, two rookie contract quarterbacks, I might add. So that's where I got it from, and there's a reason why you brought in Bill O'Brien, why Adrian Clem's coming in the building, why Juju Smith-Schuster, Mike Kosicki. You're doing this, and also, too, Bill O'Brien, remember, not just offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach. So it's one of those things where we know that we're getting better. I've even seen stuff, and I don't know how much of a gambling man you are, but right now, I believe, uh, Mike, I think it's Mike Haldick. I Correct me if I'm wrong. I believe CLNS or one of those other networks. Yeah, Mike. Yeah. Mike, yeah. Over seven and a half wins is something he's been saying. And when a lot of people like to say with this Patriots team, hey, they may have been at finish fourth. Sure, we don't know that. But this team is not going to be a four or five win team. No, I still think worst case scenario is eight and nine like last year. Because when you look at this team on paper, they're not worse. There's not an area where you say, hey, they got worse. And there's some areas they still need to improve in, which we'll see in three weeks in the draft. That's why I'll be ready to make more of a clear prediction on this team come I don't know, three weeks from now when the draft happens. But as it goes for this, I, I I don't buy into it at all. I think too, or you know what? Maybe Belichick floated it out or someone sent it to Florio. Maybe she's trying to light a fire under Mac's ass. For all we know, that's what it is. Well, well, that that's one theory that I think Bill Belichick's reluctance to hand Mac Jones anything. Yeah. Or or publicly name him the quarterback. I think that there is an element of that. 
trying to push his buttons, see how he responds. And I don't know. I, I've heard so many people say things like, oh, your Max broken, his confidence is shot, all this stuff. But he doesn't play like a broken man to me. No. I mean, like, yeah, you might get pissed off before a play or he had one or two rough games. It, it, it's true. But I think by and large, he has continued to go out there and sling the football and do what he can do. His teammates are behind him. Um, I mean, maybe there are some that haven't talked about it that are a little bit more like, yeah, Mac, maybe you need to chill out, not, uh, you know, go with the coaches. He's not going to be doing that with Bill O'Brien. That's not going to be a thing. No. Um, and then, you know, talk, you know, maybe you could have handled things differently. But by and large, you listen to the guys in the locker room. Like Devin McCourty is one of the biggest fans of Mac Jones out there. And he's the kind of guy that towards the end of his Patriots career, even in the locker room, if there was something that needed to be said, he wasn't going to be shy about it. And then you look at the kind of things that Devin McCourty is talking about since retiring and the way that he has been very candid. He's been very open in his praise of Mac Jones. And I feel like, look, if, if that guy has a problem, if that guy had a problem with Mac Jones, we would probably know by now. But he has been full-throatedly in support of him. And you would think that there are a lot of guys in the locker room that are like that. Jacoby Myers was one of them. On the Anthony Richardson point that you talked about, and, and Lamar Jackson even, the, the picks aren't the problem. I think if it was just two first-round picks that you gave for Lamar Jackson, I'd do that. Problem is you got to pay him the money too. Yeah. And the Patriots are not going to do that. They they basically already told you with everything that they that they ever do ever that they are not going to do that. With Anthony Richardson, yeah, it's cool. Lance Zierlein, go ahead and you know mock him to the Patriots number 14 because there's trouble in Macville. He does not fit the profile of a Patriots quarterback at all, like 0%. I mean, first of all, and this is, this is something that I've been digging into a lot with the draft, especially with the first picks that they've been making in the draft of late. They don't typically take guys who – are not four-year college starters, or rather four-year players, I should say, yeah. um, with their first couple of picks. They have been four only four out of their last 19 picks in the first three rounds have been fewer than four years in college. They, they prefer their senior bowl guys. They're guys who have started for two-plus years, come out mature, 22, ready to make an impact right away. Anthony Richardson is only 20. His best football is probably going to be ahead of him. He has all the ability in the world. And I don't think he's as much of a project as everybody thinks he is. He's got some pretty advanced pocket movement. He's got a hell of an arm, all of that. But the fact of the matter is the guy never completed 60% of his passes in college. I mean, and, and the Patriots just aren't going to be able to look the other way on that. He's not going to be the pick, guys. No, if it, no, it, it's just it's not going to happen. Don't don't trouble yourself about it. So that that's where I see that Mac Jones, uh, unless you had an avenue to dramatically improve the quarterback position that you were willing to pay for, then there's no point in trading Mac Jones right now. You might as well just roll with the roster you have make improve it if you can build around your third year quarterback while he's still cheap. Yeah. And 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 see if you could do things that way. And you brought in Bill O'Brien and, and I don't love the idea that this is going to be the only thing you do, but you brought in Bill O'Brien as that is the main offseason acquisition. Get a real offensive coordinator, because if, if we're going to just keep it straight up, they were an offensive coordinator away from being a playoff team last year. All they had to do was win one of those games where the offense was just an absolute freaking dumpster fire, okay? And it, like the, the Bengals, all you got to do is not fumble inside the five-yard line and you win that game. The Raiders, you might get – I mean, Mac Jones played his worst game as a pro yeah. in, in that game. If he doesn't play that horribly, and then additionally you don't have what happens at the end of the game, happen, yeah. then you're a playoff team. All you needed was one win. Now you go ahead and you bring in Bill O'Brien. Yes, I know the rest of the division has improved. And, you know, Aaron Rodgers is probably going to be a Jet, all that good stuff. But you're not going to convince me that the, the absolute floor of this team is not seven wins. Because they have won seven or more games under worse circumstances than what they're going to come into this year. My, that's my thing. 2020 was not a seven-win team. You put any other coach on that team, that's like a four-win team. There was some games there. Two other games I'll give for examples too. 
One was the Green Bay Packer game, which Bailey Zappi was thrown into. And then the Minnesota Viking game. Look, we all, I was very angry at Alex Kemp that night, but if Hunter Henry, if that touchdown stands, there's a chance that they beat the Vikings and then they're in. And then Vegas, like you said, they had the comeback too. They had the scratch and claw. And the only other game I can think about too was, uh, and then Baltimore too. If Mac doesn't throw three picks, there's a very good chance that you beat them. Um, well, but I think that, I think the other thing there was the defense kind of needed to stop Lamar in the second half, and they didn't do that. Kyle oh. Duggar not playing was a very big issue that day. Mark Mark Andrews had a field day that day. Um, shifting gears to the draft now, with free agency behind us and everything like that. Look, I know a lot of people, a lot of Patriots fans, a lot of Patriots people like I've had on here, I've seen on Twitter. They still think offensive tackle could be the play. It, I've kind of gone down that avenue. But with the guys coming in like Riley Reef, Calvin Anderson, re-upping on uh, Connor McDermott, James Ferentz, which for guys freaking out, those are break glass in case of emergency players. Those aren't going to be day one starters. Is tackle still an option at 14, or do you think they're probably going to go down the corner safety rabbit hole? Like, How do you see 14 going down, regardless of it t- 14 or if it turns into a pick in the 20s? I think offensive line is still option number one, I I think. And I think more and more that while we've been focusing on the top three offensive linemen, which there's a case to be made that you can go ahead and do that with the veteran tackles that that you have. But again, if if you're drafting a first round pick, you kind of want that guy to start right now. Yeah. And again, none of Paris Johnson Jr., Peter Skaronsky, Broderick Jones, none of those guys fit the four-year college, played in the senior Shrine Bowl kind of mold. They all have like one year of starting or, you know, two years, a year and a half. So they all have kind of relative inexperience according to what the Patriots typically like. But you know who doesn't have relative inexperience with that? Darnell Wright of Tennessee. He has like 44 college starts. He's very experienced, and my, he just fits the Patriots' offense too well. I mean, to, to fit right in as a day-one starter at right tackle, I'm sorry. I feel like you can't you can't build a better right tackle. And, and the thing is, he played left tackle as well. It's not yeah. like he's a pure right tackle. He played left tackle as a junior. He played better at right tackle, though, as a senior. You can't build a, a better prototypical right tackle for the Patriots than Darnell Wright. Like he's he is an absolute destroyer in the run game in the gap schemes that the Patriots tend to like. He is solid as a pass protector. He's more athletic than you think he is. He's got the the size, you know, it, and with the potential maybe even to to trim it down a little bit. I mean, to to me, that's my play if I'm the New England Patriots. I'm looking at Darnell Wright, and I think aside from that. There's only one corner that I would take that I think is going to potentially be there, and I don't know that he is going to be, Devin Witherspoon. Because, <laughs> because look, Christian Gonzalez, the, the, the tools are there. I feel like he's just so freakish that he, he might even be a top-five pick, honestly. Yeah. I think that is a possibility. Devin Witherspoon, if he were to fall because people think he's too small or you know, the injury stuff where he hasn't been able to work out quite as much, that's the best cornerback in the draft right there and if he fell to 14 yeah he's coming out as a junior or whatever but that's the best cornerback in the draft (laughs) and i feel like and i'm not gonna put him quite on the same level as sauce or Derek stingley as a prospect because again the size isn't quite there but if one of those guys had fallen far enough to the patriots in the draft last year i don't think it would have mattered what year they came out in bill belichick's probably taken that guy because he's that good to me like Joey Porter Jr., everybody's like, oh, yeah, they need a long, lanky corner to put up there and, and be a you know, true number one corner. To me, Joey Porter Jr., yeah, he's got the size, and, and maybe I've been a little bit down on him more so than other people are, but he's just not worthy of the number 14 overall pick to me. I just – I don't see it. I, I don't think that needs to happen. But Devin Witherspoon could be. It, other than that, though, I'm not doing cornerback because, again, I look at this was not having a number one cornerback the reason you didn't win those games last year. Yeah, I mean look, he got the guys got mossed once or twice, but if you really if you really look at at, at those games, you didn't lose because your cornerbacks were bad. They were actually no. your outside corners especially were pretty decent. 
Slot cornerback was a problem. That's something they need to address. They need to address yeah. slot cornerback. You lost because your offense sucked. So help your offense. It was one of those things, too, where if there was a day, too, with a defense, because you can think of more of those wins that they had, it was because of the defense. Like, even, I know everyone likes to say the Cardinal game, oh, you got we only won because Kyler Murray got hurt. Like, that that was just that was an unfortunate incident. But you know what? You Colt took McCoy, the football away. I they mean, took, took the football away, and also Colt McCoy threw a pick six in that game. Um, and even still, like, when you're right, when you see guys like Jonathan Jones, it's just like Jonathan Jones getting cooked by certain guys where it's like, you know, whether it be Diggs, whether it be Jefferson, it's just like, look, those guys are going to cook you no matter how good of a cornerback you are. There's just certain receivers in this league that are going to moss you. There's certain receivers that are going to do that. Also, with the DBs, like, look, I'm interested to see what Jalen, uh, Jay, uh, I'm blanking on names, Jalen Hurts, uh, not Hurts, um, Jalen Mills. Mills, excuse me, I don't know why I was blanking on that. It's been a long day. What there's Mills can J- do. There's a lot of Jalens around here. Yeah. Yes, a lot of Jalens. Uh, what he can do at safety, Kyle Duggar at safety, still have Adrian Phillips, still Jack Jones, I expect to have a second year leap. I don't, I think he's better on better terms of the team now, medical suspension aside, so we'll see what he does. And I feel like with Marcus Jones, for as much of a gadget player, I feel like he was used in offensive schemes, especially in that Buffalo game, out of desperation. So I yeah. feel like we're going to see him more develop into a cornerback and a punt returner in year two. So you have all that. And there is one other player for safety, though, that I wouldn't mind getting at 14. I just don't know if they go that route. And that's Brian Branch. See, I, I think, again, I'm not doing that at 14. I'm probably not yeah. doing it in the first round period. But again, that's a guy that is probably going to come right in and really help a team. And, and he's going to slide in as an immediate starter. The other, the other thing being here though, you've got two starting caliber safeties right now, right? Yeah. You've got, you've got Adrian Phillips and you've got Kyle Duggar. So, and, and then you've got Jalen Mills. And so, Jabril Peppers. Yes. And, and Jabril Peppers. So, and, and it's not to say that you can't get a kid and, and potentially have them, play in the deep middle of the field or what have you, or that you, you can't have somebody with the Devin McCourty role. But I feel like we're trying too hard to – we got to replace Devin McCourty now. Yeah. And I don't know that they're going to see it that way. I think they're going to see it as, you know what, let's be as interchangeable as possible. The the position that we have not talked about so far in the first round, I think edge might be a possibility like a Miles Murphy or, or something like that. But the, re- the, the receiver position, because, oh, yeah, you know, we, we got – Mike Gesicki and, and and we got Juju Smith Schuster. There's no no more room for a receiver. Uh, there is if Kendrick Bourne's not going to be on this team. Yeah, in in the fall. Which or Devontae I, I, Parker. Yeah, though I think Devontae Parker is more of a sure bet to stick around because they don't have that kind of body type. Whereas, fair, fair. Honestly, Kendrick Bourne is kind of expendable, and it's like I know we were really high on the idea of like him being like Jude, uh, rather a uh, Debo light, but. I would rather have a Zay Flowers over a Kendrick Bourne, honestly, like for the upside, for for the pure playmaking ability that he has. And I feel like the concept of, and maybe not necessarily at 14, but the concept of a Jackson Smith and Jigba or a Zay Flowers in the first round, a lot of people are like, no, don't do that. You need to focus on tackle or, oh, we need a corner. You know what you need? You need to help Mac Jones. Yeah. And if you give him league average offensive line play or slightly above average offensive line play, which I think the offensive line is closer to that than yeah, 100%. we think. What you got to do is, is get that guy some ceiling to work with. Get him some real playmakers to throw the football to. And I think they have taken steps towards that. But what they could still use is the dynamic guy that is going to shred you over the middle of the field, create yards after the catch, take the top off of defense, or, or just, just straight up be that security blanket that they now don't have with Jacoby Myers. And I feel like Jackson Smith and Jigba or Zay Flowers can operate in kind of either one of those roles. And, I mean, they keep on looking at Jordan Addison's and Zay Flowers and having them come in. I feel like it's on the table. Yeah. It's there. Like if they go wide receiver in the first round, I feel like some people are going to be like, "Oh, that's not a that's not a need. That's a want." No, wide receiver is something this team still needs to do because right now, if you roll out the offense in 2023, it's pretty much the same. And I know for everyone saying the whole, "Oh, why did you let Damian Harris walk when you could have had?" Uh, and then you let James Robinson come in, guys. James Robinson still coming off of the Achilles. I expect a better 2023 out of him. I'm not saying he's going to be 2020 James Robinson, but he'll be a good. RB, he'll be a decent RB too. 
Um, another wide receiver I potentially I think people want to look at just because he's a big body is Quinton Johnston. Mm-hmm. I just don't know what the chances if he's there. I feel like I would be shocked if there's a Jamison Williams standard where you know someone's going to leapfrog to go get him, like what happened with Devontae Smith in 2021. Mm-hmm. What happened, like I said, with Williams in 2022. So we'll see where that goes. And even this team, I fully expect them to to draft whether it be a tight end another running back or a quarterback potentially somewhere along in day not day two but probably a day three guy because there are some good players out there and even another position i wouldn't be shocked because there is one player i really like in that position is linebacker just because it's one of those things where it's like okay you're filling holes but at the same time too you could always have more of it and the other player i'm still excited to see in 23 because i assume he'll be healthy going into the season and camp and everything like that it's Tyquan Thornton because we saw some flashes last year. I just think if he can get a full training camp under his belt, he can flash, especially in that slot role where Myers should have been the whole time instead of being a wide receiver one. Well, I think the other thing too is we've seen Bill O'Brien turn a similar body type receiver, similar skill set receiver, and Will Fuller and turn him into a touchdown machine. And not even necessarily just like as a as a slot, but just kind of the moving piece because Tyquan Thornton has the height to to play outside. He just needs to get more build on his frame. He's got the the foot quickness and the speed, obviously, but he is the kind of guy that can run those deep dig routes and gash you over the middle, run run deep overs and crossers. And I mean, he, they did a little bit of that last year, and. I, and, and even give him some screens, just get the ball in his hands and, and give him a shot to get upfield, use that speed. So I, I think that there is definitely precedent for Bill O'Brien taking a Tyquan Thornton-like receiver and turning him into something pretty good. So I'm also optimistic about what Tyquan Thornton can do. But I, I think that the way the Patriots have set up their roster, and you can obviously feel free to disagree with it as you will, but... They've set it up so that they don't have any just glaring needs, like to the point where, like last year, where they came in without two guards, or, or, yeah. or like, like rather one guard, I should say, like, like just, just a gaping hole at the offensive guard position, and you knew they were going to have to take one, and they, and they did take one in Cole Strange. So they don't have that this year. Yeah, like, t- tackle is probably still the, the biggest one that you can look at that you still want a body there, but... You could say, look, we've got some veteran guys that we feel like can do a decent job. We still got Trent Brown, and maybe he was just bad at points last year because he was checked out because of how miserable the system is. And then you give him a real scheme and a real coach to work with, and he'll be fine. Corner, I'm sorry. I, I just I, I can't get that worked up about it because by and large, they were just fine. You know, and, and again, to me, that was not the biggest issue. So I feel like you could go tackle you could go receiver you could go edge because edge is a sneaky position that i think that they need so yeah i i I think that there are a number of different ways that they can go with this and as long as they don't do something like completely absurd like draft another guard or something like that i I feel like it's hard or, or like even a safety i wouldn't i would not draft a safety in the first round but i feel like it would be hard to be too mad at much of what they do yeah, but even last year, I feel like everyone was getting on the Cole Strange pick, kind of like how everyone got on Kyle Duggar. It may not have been in the pick in the right spot, but you know what? You want to draft the best player for your best need. That's what Cole Strange was. That's what Kyle Duggar was. Like, Cole Strange, sure, people can go back. Hey, maybe he wasn't the pick at 29, but he had a really good rookie year. He had a really solid rookie year. Obviously, David Andrews helped with that a lot, but look, he's come in and done his job. Kyle Duggar, it's the same thing. Kyle Duggar's one of the best, one of the better safeties in the uh, NFL right now. I'm not calling him Derwin James or Mika Fitzpatrick. I'm just saying the kid can play ball. He's a very um, good player, yes. Yeah. And meanwhile, with Edge, there's three players I look at. I was going to say two, but look, if there were all 32 people at, my, at um, for Miles Murphy, I, I don't know if the Patriots are going to get there, but I think that's one of those players where if the card is, if the player's there, you go and take them. The other one, too, I look at, and this one's a bit of a pipe dream because I think he'll go in the top 10, but it's Lucas Van Ness. He may not fit the mold, but he just he's just one of those players that, look, he's he's got a look to him. He's fast, and he's just a game wrecker. 
And then uh, Brian Brees is the other one as well. Same thing where I saw some video from him the other day in high school where he was just absurdly yeah. like it was just like you see these kids that are like not hit their growth spurts yet, and then you just see this monster just plow through the offensive line. And the other one that I wanted to talk to you about, he probably won't get there, but in a crazy world where this may happen. Jalen Carter. I know there's a whole thing today, and Drew yeah. Rosenhouse is being cocky, saying no top, like not outside of the top ten. I think there's a chance, by the way, that your hometown Bears take him. But yeah, I feel what, like if that, he falls, like if he starts to fall, like say if he gets pick number nine, pick number ten, he doesn't go. Do the Patriots make a move up to eleven to grab him, or do you play the waiting game? It, it, it feels to me like the Patriots are probably going to let the board fall where it may. In, yeah. in this one, and that's typically what they've done in the past. They're not afraid to trade up. They just don't really do it in the first round. It's always yeah. the second round. Second round is the round you got to watch for can, in terms of, of people trading up. Can I stop? Can I, I just want, sorry to cut you. Didn't mean to cut you off. I just want to say Go something. For it. I think there's a chance that if Brian Branch falls into the early 30 picks, you see them jump up like they did for Christian Barmore two years ago. I that don't think be. it'll happen, but if I think that's a scenario that just popped in my head where it's like, hey, if there's a cornerback or a safety – that should have been a day one guy, falls to day two because that happens all the time. No matter yeah. the position, I can see that happening. Yeah, and 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 here's the way it's typically operated the past couple of years. The first pick is usually something you need. Yeah. Um, and, and, and in particular, let's look at the last couple of drafts. You needed a quarterback in 2021. You got yeah. Mac Jones. And then you didn't necessarily need a, a, another defensive interior guy, but Christian Barmore was too good for them to pass up. So they trade yeah. up and they get him. And I mean, like they they had just re-signed a bunch of different bodies. They they signed Devon Godshaw. They had just brought back Lawrence Guy. They they just had Judon. They just re-signed Wise. So it's like, oh yeah, it's a pretty stacked veteran front. And then they bring in Barmore, and people are like, wait, what? Why are you doing that? Because he, he's good and he's explosive. Last year, what did they do? They draft Cole Strange because they needed a guard. And, yes. And and I mean, I've I've heard this from a number of different people that I respect that look, Cole Strange was one of the best players on the board at that spot. Yeah. Um, and and so and, and again, he started every game. Yeah, one of them was bad. He got benched, but by and large, he was good. He he, yeah. he was good. I will not hear somebody say he was terrible because he was not. You're wrong. Um, and then in the second round. What do you do? You trade up for Tyquan Thornton, which again, people might be like, what are you trading up for him for? Why didn't you take like George Pickens or, or, or something like that? You, you went with Tyquan Thornton because you were going for speed and Tyquan Thornton had more of it than any of those other guys. And again, that wasn't a position where you're looking at that as a desperate need. You absolutely have to get a receiver because remember, you had just gotten Devontae Parker, right? And, and so you were thinking, okay, yeah, we're, we're good. The receiving core is set. We've got our big-bodied guy, what have you. And then they went up and traded up for that guy because he, they just found him to be too good of a value. So I feel like that that's a perfectly good point. You take whatever you can get in, in terms of where, where you feel like you need the most help, which to me is offensive line, and then potentially you're looking at like wide receiver or something like that. And then in the second round, I've tabbed guys who are like, who are edge. I, I think that in my mock drafts, I've been looking at edges, like trading up for like Will McDonald, somebody from the senior bowl who showed out or like Mozzie Smith, though. I don't, I don't think he's getting into the second round. I, I've seen too much love for him in the back end of the first, but yeah, something like that. And, and maybe there's a corner there that, that you want. Yeah, yeah, that's that's you. You nailed it on the head. That's like because the Patriots always kind of like catch catch you off guard. Because for everyone going, oh, but he's not on the consensus big board. Which there's another player that fell two years ago who I'm still very excited to see, and that's Ronnie Perkins. So that could add to the edge linebacker conversation. But hopefully he can get on the field yeah. this year because they because I mean, they don't care about your consensus big board. They no. got their own board because again, when you look at some of these guys, what what do they want? They want guys that they believe are going to come in right away and and get the job done and and they have kind of very specific traits that they're looking for so it's like yeah uh, you know they're they're not always going to be picking these like you know raw projects because because yeah. that's right that's what everybody gets on them for like i don't need another project i need a guy who can go ahead and play well i think this guy can play right now so here you go it's another reason too why if I guarantee you if say the Patriots were at three they would probably have gone Mac Jones over Trey Lance because at the same time too Trey Lance was still a project coming out of school he's yeah. technically still a project now which there's no there's no way they would have gone with Trey Lance at number three. no no way no Not the happy. only 
at the time I was like I was big on Justin Fields just because it was like you know I hate the big flashy player, but <sighs> we'll I actually want to pivot gears because like I said earlier, the more and more I've gotten to know you, the more and more I realize hey this guy's from Chicago. He's a Chicagoan, true. true and strong. It is true. When it comes to Fields, I don't know why people are so early to give up on him. I think it's just get him into the right system because that's the thing with these quarterbacks. It's always after year two. It's like all of a sudden, oh, we've given up on him. Look at Daniel Jones. Now it's like, okay, you have Mac, you have Fields, and look, yeah. Zach Wilson, that's an accountability issue. I think that's just the Jets getting desperate. That's just I think, me. I mean, I, I think the other thing, too, is, is, and I mean, you brought up Fields in the 2021 draft. I always despised the Zach Ooh. Wilson pick personally because – Justin Fields should have been the number two pick now. And, and then imagine what that team would have looked like last year with Justin Fields leading it. I mean, that's probably, that's probably, They're a, playoff probably a playoff team. because, because again, you would have given him Garrett Wilson, who was his guy at Ohio state. Yeah. He would have had comfort with that. I, I think the thing that is irking me with these young quarterbacks, and this is what I've come. I've really come to think about this is you've got to support your young quarterback. So yeah. that when they are ready, they can then elevate the rest of the team. But you got to help elevate them first. People think that, and I've heard people say this to me, and and I like revolt. Is that like Tom Brady just parachuted, you know, from from heaven like Jesus Christ, and then all of a sudden the Patriots start winning games? He was a game manager that, for, and, and that that's not an insult. Okay, he he was a second year guy who barely played and he didn't screw it up and they got to the Super Bowl. And then and then what happens when you get to the playoffs and you get to some of these late game situations because you didn't put it all on him and you had things around him that that he was able to lean on. Then when it mattered most, he had the confidence to go out there and execute. And then he did his job as opposed to let's just expect this guy to put on the Superman cape. Because and, and and I think that's the thing that people think is that all of a sudden you know just year two quarterbacks are just supposed to be leaping no matter what's around them. Mac Jones had enough from a personnel standpoint to improve, but the offensive system and the way the coaching staff was run was putrid. I'm sorry, yeah. he went from having the best situation of any of those quarterbacks in 2021 to having the worst one by far. To, to, to operate in, except for Davis Mills. But Davis Mills plays for the Texans, and he's Davis Mills, so we don't care about that. The thing I want to point out with Fields, and 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 this, this is ultimately a, yeah, like don't give up on your quarterbacks too early. It's like, oh, yeah, like I could understand if it was Caleb Williams coming out this year. I probably would have traded Justin Fields and drafted Caleb Williams for, for that. But I, I just feel like people don't understand how horrible – how intentionally bad the Chicago Bears were last year. They wanted the number one overall pick. They wanted to suck. And, and they they traded away Roquan Smith and, and, and Robert Quinn because they were, they were too good. Okay, They were helping the team win games. They helped the team win the Patriots game, and they were like, nope, sorry, we got to trade both of y'all. Yeah. We're done with this. And Justin Fields still managed to flash. In spite of all of that, I, I just feel like people don't understand the situation that he was put in. The fact that he did anything at all, like, oh, yeah, he's just a running back. He had struggles. Yeah, he, he, he had some struggles passing the football. There are throws he should have pulled the trigger on. He's got to improve in the passing game. That's why you go out and you get DJ Moore, by the way. Yeah. That's why you go ahead and you do that. And, and that's what teams have done for their third-year quarterbacks. Go get weapons for them, okay? Get better things around them. And I, I just feel like... People could, it might be honestly that people are going to watch Justin Fields this year and be like, oh, okay, uh, he's way better than I thought. And I'm going to be like, yeah, we've been new about that. Now, to bring it back to the, the Patriots part of this, in the same way that they screwed Mac Jones last year, this is them trying to make amends by saying, you know what, the scheme was the biggest problem last year. We are going to fix that now. We are going to put okay, we're, we're not going to have like crazy number one wide receivers running all over the place, putting up 1,500 yards. But what we really need is just guys to be able to get open and know the details of what they're supposed to be doing and get open for the quarterback and make them look good. And again, would I like to see more playmakers? Yeah. Then again, they've added a couple of guys that I think will help. But they, they have invested 
in Mac Jones in year three in the way that I think he needs the most. Yeah, you don't go out and get Juju Smith-Schuster and say, yeah, we're getting worse. You don't go out and get Mike Gesicki, which, look, for everyone saying, oh, 2020 was such a failure, look, you knew out of the, that that free agency class not everyone was going to hit. But so far, you've seen hit rates, I'd say, out of two or three of the big dogs that you signed. You could make an argument for Kendrick Bourne that just like last year he got into the doghouse. Hunter Henry has been a solid tight end. It's just they used him wrong. They used him as a blocking tight end. And to quote fan favorite McGarvin on here, when you put Hunter Henry in a blocking situation, he ends up on his ass more times than he stays on his feet. And then Matthew Judon has been arguably one of my favorite Patriots and just personality-wise, great guy, and he's starting to become a great recruiter slash GM. But meanwhile, with this quarterback thing, I think everyone expects, you know what, hey, year two, it's the big leap. Trevor Lawrence took it, sure, but look at Trevor Lawrence's year one to year two. That was a coaching. Look, Urban Meyer to Doug Peterson, and Doug Peterson just took him off, and they went to the divisional round. They hung in tough with the Kansas City Chiefs, for the love of God. And another point I want to make with the Bears, for as bad as they were last year, let's not forget, they also beat the San Francisco 49ers week one last year in that horrid rainstorm game. So just just to throw that out there as <laughs> that, well. That was an absolutely ridiculous game to watch in person. And you know who the best player on the field was in that game? The only reason the Bears actually won that is Justin Fields. So, 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 so there, there you go. Exactly. Um, and then what was the other point I was going to make? Oh, I just had a big brain fart. Um, but yeah, that's the thing. As for Patriot fans, when it comes to – I just want to go back to that for a second with the draft and everything like that because I also have a draft hot take I want to present to you. Okay. Um, when it comes to the draft and the Patriots, just say these four words in Matt Grohl, we trust. Five words. Just trusted Matt. Bill Belichick trusts him. He makes all the picks. He's good for that. Meanwhile, my draft hot take is I think Will Levis is this year's Zach Wilson. That's, yep. I don't know mm-hmm. what that yep. is. Yep. It, it, you know what? You know what I'm, did it for? I'm not, I'm not about it at all. You know what was the nail in the coffin for that take? What? When he's posting shirtless pics and stuff like that online, like <laughs> I'm like, what, what quarterback does that? I'm like, no, the Colts are gonna take him. It's a, the simple formula. My favorite meme, which is fuck around and find out. But that's what the Colts are gonna do because it's like, oh hey, let's just draft this guy because it's like you know, I'm gonna go even to draft day the movie. It's the Bo Callahan effect. He looked, He has flashes on the field, but off the field, how is he? So that's where I think, look, if I had to pick a consensus big board right now for my quarterbacks, I go Stroud, Young, then Richardson. That's that's just me. And yep. another take I have, whoever gets Hendon Hooker is one lucky team. He's going to fall because of his ACL injury, but I, I, I honestly think he'll be a solid starter in the NFL. I think so too. I mean, I, I think when, when you look at him on film, there, there are times when – the refinement from the pocket. He's also a great leader. Yeah, the, the refinement from the pocket isn't always there. I mean, he has a tendency to to kind of be like, oh, pressure. Okay, I'm running now. Um, you wonder if that's going to change at all with, with the injury. But some of the accuracy from the pocket that he shows, and the, and, and yeah, he's willing to he's willing to stand in there and 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 deliver some of these times. And I don't know. I, I feel like he kind of defies a little bit of of the convention that I think people think of when they see his type of quarterback, like, oh, he just runs. He doesn't know how to go through his reads. He doesn't know how to do all that. I don't know. He seems like a pretty solid quarterback to me. I could see him being a solid starter and a guy who's in the league for like 12 years. Yeah. Yeah. And also, as you were talking, I remembered my uh, little brain fart because I want to go back to the Tom Brady argument in his first three seasons and say this for people that want to remember this. All three of those Super Bowls were pretty much won on defensive efforts, as well as Tom Brady being clutch in certain moments. And let's not forget, for those people who don't remember, Drew Bledsoe is the reason they got to the Super Bowl against the Rams. Tom Brady twisted, it was either twisted or sprained his ankle in that championship game. So, for you guys who want to do a memory lane, Jeff Benedict's The Dynasty. I've plugged it on here numerous times. Read the book. <laughs> well done. Well done, Drew. Yeah, I mean, well I, and 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 I think I think that's the thing, right? Is that uh, you know, he 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 still has a, a good rep around here, man. First of all, for how he handled that whole situation, getting getting replaced that way, especially after you just signed a ten year, like hundred whatever million dollar contract, whatever that was, like the biggest deal that had been signed just yet. Oh, and then and then they got rid of your ass, like right after that. That's tough. Um, but he came in, did his job. And he, they, they don't win that Super Bowl without him. Absolutely, hundred percent. 
Um, I want to shift gears now to a completely different sport, and it's everything that happened on Sunday. Oh, boy. And in the senses of sportsmanship, how everyone's so mad. It's like, oh, what happened to sportsmanship on top of the – let's have the winner and the runner-up visit the White House. No, winners only go. You don't go for getting second place. Maybe you bring Caitlin Clark separately. And for as good of a tournament as she had, I'm sorry, but no matter whether it's sports, life, or whatever you're doing, if you're going to talk trash or if you're going to do something – you got to know that at some point it's going to come back to bite you. That's that's all I want to say. Because also, too, when it comes to people saying, oh, so classless and all that stuff. As long as trash talking doesn't have either comments towards someone's personal life, it's not too vulgar. Like, you know, where it's like you're talking like a sailor or you're talking about whether race, sexual orientation, etc. There's certain words I'm not going to repeat on air for obvious reasons. As long as it's not that, trash talking is always a part of sport. I mean, it should be. And and I yeah. think that there are a couple of things with that is that Caitlin Clark is a trash talker. And I think that people are like, oh, a woman's trash talking. That's great. But I think let, let's keep let's keep it a buck here. OK, it's a white woman trash talking. It's cute. It's fun. But, you know, when the wrong person's trash talking in particular, when the, lo- the wrong person wins and they're letting you know about it. Oh, now it's a problem. And, 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 and he- here's the thing. I feel like that's the part that People don't want to talk about the fact that there is, and and this is something that South Carolina's Dawn Staley referenced literally the game before the national championship, that there is juxtaposition between how black athletes, especially these black women, have been covered and talked about versus how Caitlin Clark and Iowa has been talking about. And then people are like, oh, no, that's not the case. It's just because you know, we don't like your team or like, you know, the, the way that you're, you coach that game or this one person, we got a problem with that. And then you go around and then, and then you, you make the point for us. So I, I feel like all in all, here's the other thing with Caitlin double standard. Clark. Here's the other thing with Caitlin Clark. She doesn't care. Yeah. She doesn't care about that at all because she gets it right. She, she's fire. She's fired up. She plays with fire. She, she, you know, talks trash to her teammates or opponents, you know, what, what have you, she knows the score and she's out. It's not just taking the high road. I, I think it's legitimately like, look, man, like th- this, this is an emotional game and you can't get all touchy about all this emotional, like, like stuff. If you're going to talk, then, then sometimes people are going to, going to talk at you. And, and that's the thing. Like I'm a, I'm a competitive person and I grew up around people that, that would talk, Hella trash. And 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 that that's the thing. You can't be soft about it. If if you're gonna if you're gonna step up there and you're gonna be competing at the highest levels, yeah. Sometimes people are gonna be like, hey, guess what? I got you. Take that. And you can't sit up there and cry about it. Oh, it's so classless. Oh, whatever the sportsmanship. Get up out of here. Some of y'all just never competed for nothing. I don't want to hear none of that. I don't and I don't want to hear, oh, the difference between what Caitlin Clark did and what Angel Rich. Uh, no, no, stop. Stop complaining. Shut up. We're done. Like, do we remember the Super Bowl last year when Aaron Donald did that and everyone was just like, oh, look at him. Like, he's not tr- flexing on the Bengals. It's a simple this. But then meanwhile... King when, me, brother. Let's yeah. go. But then when LSU, Angel, Mo- Angel, Angel Moses did it, she's just simply saying, look, we're about to get this. We're about to get this. Yeah, but and even- the thing is, everybody, you're messing with the darling. And, and I just want to yeah. be straight up about this i loved watching caitlin clark i loved you know the, the iowa team I, I think they played good basketball they're an amazing story like like honestly i'm very happy for them and what they accomplished it's a great story but again you know people didn't want to see lsu win that game they nope. wanted to see iowa win that game they wanted to see caitlin clark win they wanted to see the story unfold and then America's they got, sweetheart. Yeah, yes. And then and then America's sweetheart got beat up, and the bully said, "Yeah, guess what? I beat you. Give me this ring. <laughs> take take this." And then all of a sudden, everybody doesn't like it. And 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 again, I just I I'm over it, man. I, I was over it from the moment it happened. I don't want to hear y'all whining about sportsmanship. In the end, Caitlin Clark doesn't care. She gets it because she's a competitor. And she's willing to talk that stuff, and she and she knows that if you talk the stuff, sometimes it's going to get talked back to you. That's the thing, and also too, I'll say this for everyone out there saying like, doing this is so trashful. No, no, no. This has been pop culture for the last twenty years. The W and this always stands for wrestling. I I don't know if you know this or not, but I'm a diehard wrestling fan. 
John Cena made this famous. You see celebrities, you see athletes, you see everyone doing that. You may not be a wrestling popularized, fan. Popularized by Tony Yeah, West Newberry's own. You know what this is. You know what You Can't See Me is. She did it. Caitlin Clark did it in the Elite Eight. Angel did it in the fi- in the finals. So it is what it is. But it's like it's like this. That's why I just wanted to talk about it because when it relates to football, like say for example, it, it's like how everyone made a big deal when uh, Winfield did the deuces to Tyree Kill after the Super Bowl, and everyone was just like, like even Tyree came out and said, "Look, yeah, like I got beat. It's as simple as that." Yeah, Tyree would do it all the time, even though we we know the hidden message behind his deuces is really flipping the bird. But look, it's just one of those things. Like in football, you would never see it. So that's why I wanted to talk about it because I feel like. For as much as competitiveness comes into play, sometimes there's going to be trash talk involved, whether it's football, whether it's basketball. And the other thing with all sages too, look, in Canada, we don't get to see as much NCAA women's basketball. But even like, look, you got to know the stories are compelling. And even still, a team like South Carolina, that's a powerhouse every year. So when they get knocked out, it's a big deal. Yeah, it is. And and I think that the, the big story from all this is just how much the women's game took center stage with with this tournament. I mean, it was appointment television. Like, I was buzzing about it on the air before the final, and we were all just, like, looking forward. Like, we are all looking forward to going home and watching women's basketball, and that is that is a beautiful thing to me. And you got people out here, oh, you know, it's still women's basketball. They're not dunking. Like, I'm sorry. If you don't like, if you don't like what I was was doing or LSU or South Carolina, if you don't, if you don't like this kind of stuff they were doing, then you don't like basketball. I'm sorry. It's the same thing up here too with women's hockey. And it's just like women's hockey is a little different because there's only two teams that really dominate every year. But at the same time, too, the games are just it's different styles. If everyone's saying, Oh, it's this, it's oh, it's that. So it's like it's just enjoy the sport. That's what I'm trying to get at. Enjoy the sport and enjoy what's going on. And look, when the women play so well to where resale tickets are $300 plus, they're doing something right and they've drawn the ire and attention of everyone. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 I, I just ultimately, like, this is only good. This is only good stuff. The fact that, you know, women's sports is, is taking this step and proving that the viewership is there. The product is there. Now just market it more, okay? Get get this stuff out there because like even even the Super Bowl commercial where they were showing the the, the Mexican, you know, flag football team and, and the hell flag. out of everybody. Yeah, and and it's like the Mexican women's flag football team is the best in the world. And it's like that's the kind of thing like I want my daughter to see that. I want my daughter to play flag football. I want her to be an athlete like that. That would be amazing. And and you got to show those examples. Right. Don't sit up there and be like, oh, I'd rather not watch that. Like support sports, man. Support, support our daughters, you know, so support our sisters, support our moms, support all that, man. Let's go. Don't look at it as, oh, a uh, regular sport to women's sport. No, just look at it as a sport. Look at it as that they are competing at the highest level because for a lot of those girls, you don't know if they're going to make the WNBA. So stuff like March Madness, stuff like the college football playoffs, it's the highest level of competitive sports some of these people are ever going to play because guess what? Not everyone goes professional. Yeah. There's a reason why they say in the NFL draft that 1% of all college players get drafted. And even that of how many of those players actually become legit NFL superstars because every year you don't know what's going to happen with the NFL draft. And every year they call them lottery tickets for a damn reason. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, Again, I just that that that's that's I don't want to keep it positive, man. Like this is this is only good for sports. And 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 you bring up that part of it where you never know where your journey is gonna end as an as an athlete. Like mine ended before I ever like played college football, you know. Uh, I was like like I was recruited to play and I and I just I I never hit the field. And it's like, I, I wish, you know, still that I, I had been able to, or rather that I had chosen to, I could have, but, um, you know, and, and, and it's, it's a blessing to be able to do that for three, four five years, how, however long it is. And it's an experience that um, well, I'm sure they'll never forget, right. Whether you win or lose. And I remember seeing at one point, somebody was like, why why is like th- this one team smiling after they just lost to, to LSU in the final four? And it's like they should be pissed. It's like 
I'm sorry, man. At some point, like when you realize the journey's over, you take and you let it all like come across your face. That look at what I just did. Look at what I was just playing. The opportunity I just had. Like, it's a it's okay to you know feel the loss, but also feel the good part of it. Like that that's a part of being a competitor that it took me a long time to get. And I'm glad that these college athletes, these women college football, you know, basketball players, these men who are just playing in the championships and in the final four and all that. I'm glad that some of them have already shown that. It took me a while to get there. That, that that's, that's an excellent point, too, where sometimes, look, you have to be prepared for when the journey is going to come to an end. You have to be prepared for, look, hey, this might be the last time I ever strap the pads on, yeah. the cleats on, lace them up. You just never know when it's going to come to an end. So at basically, it's like the famous Dr. Seuss quote: "Don't be sad that it's over. Be happy that it be a. It's like either be happy that it happened or be appreciative of the experience. It's one of the two. But it's just along those lines where it's like, think of it glass half full, not glass half empty. Dang, Dr. Seuss. I have to check that one out. I don't think I've seen that particular quote. I'm going to look that up. I, I think I've seen it around, and it's just something that sticks to me because it's one of those things where I'm like, you know what, right? Don't be sad about the past. Remember the past as, hey, I got to do X. I got to do Y. I got to do this. Like, that's just how you got to remember it. Just always, and that's because that's how I always like to live life, being a glass half full kind of person instead of a glass half empty kind of person. I mean, hey, as somebody who who was definitely a, a little bit too much on the glass half empty side, it's a lot more fun to be on the glass half full side. That That's my personal thing. So I'm with you on that. 100%. Well, anyway, Kyrie, it was a blast getting to talk to you once again. It's a blast as always, guys. Links for everything, including Kyrie's latest mock drafts, in the bio below. For everyone thinking football season's over, no, 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 it's not. Draft season is hot as ever. Content's hot as ever. We got three weeks to go until the draft. This has been episode number 224 of YWC Football Talk. As always on Cryer Media, and I got to play the Cryer Media intro but this time, it's an outro. So with that, have a good night, everybody. Or day, no matter what time of day you're listening to this. Enjoy, everyone. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. We all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all had. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com.